Hello and welcome back to the Brown Taboo Project brought to you by Sesma. We're so excited today to have a very special guest with us, Kirpa Singh, who will be sharing a little bit about her direct and personal experiences with severe mental illness. This is Sri coming at you from Denver. I'm Shreya, New York. I'm Trinish from sunny San Diego. And I'm Tanya from D.C. And Kirpa, where are you joining us from today? I'm Kirpa and I'm joining from San Francisco. Woo, got two Pacific folks this time. I feel like it doesn't usually <laughs> happen that way. Rise up. Let's <laughs> coast, best coast. <laughs> I know, Slash, it's like early for y'all. So bless you for being here, truly. Um, we've all got our coffee and our tea, so we do what we can. Um, yeah, so I I mean, it was a Kirpa reached out to us as we encourage folks to do and kind of slid into our DMs, aka emailed us, and was like, hey, I love what y'all do. I think it's awesome. I don't really see folks talk about mental health in South Asian communities that much. This is great, but I don't really see any content on severe mental illness at all, which I was like, appreciate the call in, girl. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and we did throw back to in our very first season, we had a guest on who has who's who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, who's speaking about his experiences with that. But I appreciate you reaching out to us. And, you know, thanks for bringing this to our attention of like, let's talk about the world of mental health and mental illness beyond just depression or anxiety or substance abuse or things that f- people are like kind of generally a little bit more familiar with. So thanks for bringing that to us. Yeah, no, I was actually surprised you replied back to me because I was like, they're probably busy. They're like super like great, but like they might not have like the time to like respond to my personal question. But I was like <laughs> so like overjoyed when you're like definitely will have you on. And I was just Aww. like, I'm honored. So this is like an honor for me. Ah, that's so sweet. It's an <laughs> honor for us that you join. Yeah. <laughs> and that you care enough. I think that's the yeah. thing of like the whole idea is to be like, this is a community space and making mm-hmm. it what it needs to be for, for all of us of the South Asian diaspora. That's a, that's a tall order for sure. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, trying our best to do that and be that space. So, yeah. Yeah. We like to hear from you about what you want to hear from us. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I guess to start, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you even mean by severe mental illness or what kind of your experiences have been with that? Yeah, so, um, so about that, like, uh, my diagnosis is, like, in a long term, is schizoaffective bipolar type disorder, which is a very long word that basically means I have symptoms of the um, illness schizophrenia and the mood disorder bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually didn't even know what, like, a uh, severe mental illness was until, like, pretty recently, because I was just, right. like, this is what I have. Like, I don't really know what that means, but like, I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and it wasn't until I got into like the mental health field that I understood these terms. Um, but yeah, so like, it's interesting. Like the, um, I guess like the severe portion is interesting because like, even though my diagnosis is classified as severe, mm-hmm. I think with proper like support and care and like medication, all that thing, it's like, it kind of lessens it. Totally. But we can get yeah. that later, I guess. But yeah. I always look like Ellen Sachs, who mm-hmm. yeah. is, but she's like the, she was an amazing, she is or was an amazing professor at USC who did like psychiatry and law. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she, her story just like saved me. Cause I was like, there's someone yeah. living with like this, um, these symptoms and these like this, this condition. And she is like successful in like yeah. a lot of the ways from a lot of like 
and a lot of like ways. Um, yeah. Have y'all read it? Do, do you remember the, it's oh, like yeah. the center of the, what's the center the cannot hold. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Have y'all read it at all? Any of you? No. What's the title again? The center cannot hold. By Ellen oh. Sachs, S A K S. Yeah. yeah. Put that okay. in the show notes. Yeah, we'll definitely put it in the show notes. It, it is a yeah. super awesome book where she talks about her personal experiences with being hospitalized and like mm-hmm. having a psychiatric hold and being hospitalized, and then her journey as being a psychiatrist, but also living with severe mental illness herself. Yeah. And like the ability to speak to both of those experiences, yeah. which is a unique vantage point. Yeah. And it was like, so I read her book, my like, I think it was a summer after my freshman year of college. Mm. And at that time I was like pre-med and then my condition got really bad and I had to like drop everything, mm-hmm. like my major classes, everything. And I was yeah. like lost. And then hearing her story, I was like, wait, like it is possible to live a successful, happy life with mm-hmm. this condition. Um, and that, that, that inspired me to kind of become this person who was trying to instill hope in others. Yeah. Like I want to be that person who someone will look at and be like, oh, like she's doing it. How can I like mirror her? Like how can like that help me in my own way? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where I'm kind of at right now. And did you say that you got diagnosed when you were 12? Was that right? Oh, that's a whole story. Okay. Because I was like, that's so, insane. That's so young so and young, rare right? to see that. Yeah. So actually, so you're right and wrong. So I started having <laughs> symptoms when I was 12. Okay, gotcha. But I wasn't diagnosed until I was 18. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Because gotcha. of like the, um, because of like the typical onset age of like these mm-hmm. kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. And also I think my therapist and my psychiatrist weren't very like, I don't really know, I don't really know what's going through their heads. But <laughs> I think they were kind of like, she's too young to have this. So we don't want to like diagnose her with this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I had a whole like journey with trying to find a therapist who would like listen to me no. and hear me out. And like, I know people are like, don't like, don't like disregard the diagnosis. But for me, the diagnosis was a big part of like me knowing what was going on in my life. Mm. Cause, um, and also it, it, it was a big part of getting probably medicated. Cause like mm. when you're misdiagnosed, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like when I was, when I was, so I was, I started having symptoms when I was 12. Um, I didn't see a, ther- a psychiatrist or a therapist until I was 15 and a half. And literally when I was 15 and a half, my first visit, I, w- I was there for three hours doing like psychological evaluation and testing. Whoa. Was your first appointment? Yeah. Jesus First Christ. appointment ever. That's so and, overwhelming for a 15 year old, oh, yeah. especially. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is a lot, but it was like, it was like two or three hours. And they're just like testing, like quick questionnaires and like testing and raw shark tests and all these mm-hmm. things. Things lot tests. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember like at the end of that, no one told me like my results they were just like yeah so things are coming in and I was <sighs> like what like what was what what is going on like what yeah. is happening to me oh, but God. like um no one told me and then I saw my first therapist and she was actually I think she was South Asian um I'm not sure she was Indian but she was first year South Asian mm-hmm. and I don't remember what happened but I think I, I had a very like big aversion to like South Asian auntie mm. people back then so I didn't <laughs> really want to talk to her but then my next therapist was super like unversed in Southern culture mm-hmm. and tried to blame my parents and my, and my upbringing. Um, they try to blame my illness or my symptoms on my upbringing. Wow. It was wild. Whoa. Like, wow. I remember him saying that like, because your parents are strict, because you have this culture, it's manifesting in your symptoms. And I was like, is that ah! really real? Oh my God. Jesus. Ask, right? 
I was like, what? I was so pissed off. Is this person still in practice? Practicing? I know. (laughs) I really hope not. Wow. It was wild. And then I switched like I switched therapist. So at that time I asked him, like, what do you what do you think I have? And he was like, you know, it seems like depression, but we don't know. And I was like, three hours of psychological testing. And it's just depression. (laughs) We don't know. I know. I was like, like, please, uh, it's more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Then I switched therapist again got a new psychiatrist um and the psychiatrist was a little more versed in like south Indian culture i think that he himself was like east asian so he knew a little more about like mm-hmm. culture like culture in general yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah cultural <laughs> so he said it looks like bipolar disorder because of the mood aspect mm-hmm. um and, he, and like i i understood that more than depression because psychosis symptoms can appear in certain mm-hmm. parts of bipolar disorder like on media but it can um, also appear in depression, I will say. But yeah, the, the, but yeah. it looks a little different depending on... It looks a little different, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think the way it looked in me was more aligned with the bipolar side. Totally, that, yeah. I don't know, like the whole... Mm-hmm. I don't know, like the psychiatric class part of that. But yeah, so he said that. So then they come out on a, on a medication that was like... Oh, this is the kicker. They come out on a medication that was... Um, I think it was uh, like 0.5 milligrams of a, of a medication. I was on that for like a, a year or so. And then I went to college, <laughs> got a new psychiatrist. And she was like, you do know this, like this dosage is for literally sleeping. It's not for anything else. And I was like, excuse oh me? Is that why I'm still like not regulated? She was yeah. like, yeah. And I was like, this oh. is wild. So then I got a new psychiatrist in college. And that psychiatrist gave me a different, di- a different medication. Um, and that medication dosage was, better but way better way better yeah but you're like doing, i like, can actually the see the impacts now <laughs> like yes, something like, is happening yeah yeah i was just like i i was like it wasn't like it was like it was like night and like sunrise difference it was getting better yeah but, then, but with that medication i was like i okay, i have a very small stomach and with medication you have to have like a certain calorie intake to like mm. make it actually work so then I had to switch again. And then this psychiatrist was like, bless her. Oh my gosh. She was a lifesaver. <laughs> it is like, that moment when you find the person yeah. that actually works. You're like, oh, yeah. like it has parted. Yeah. I was like, this psychiatrist like listens to me. She hears me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Yerpa, I'm going to tell you right now, this is your diagnosis. This is the meds you need for putting you on this dosage. And I was like, I, I, I'm, like I'm like, I don't know if I trust you but I have to trust you. So I will trust you. Yeah. And that was like nine day difference where I was like, symptoms were like pretty much gone. Like wow. they were within like a month. I was like, wow. I, my grades increased. My mood was fine. Like, mm-hmm. no, there were no delusions, no hallucinations, no paranoia. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like saved. And I was yeah. just like, thank you, Lord. Yes. So yeah, I was just like, it was a long journey, but I'm so glad I finally got to like the end ish. Um, I still do get like making some like adjustments, but I'm like I'm pretty much like in the goal. Like I'm good. That's crazy. Wow. And it, it's yeah. so crazy that it took so long because it's yeah. it seems like institutional problems just like kept popping up um that have like stopped you from getting the care you need. That's like mm-hmm. so crazy to hear about. Yeah. yeah. Once you got it, like you said, within a month, you know, you felt like night and day, like it could have been like as short as that. Right. But it took like years, which is mm-hmm. 
like tough to hear also, right? That you had yeah. to go through all of that trial and error and not on your part. It was like on your provider's part, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We've talked that a little bit before of like even amongst us here in different journeys in mental health and trying to seek therapy and trying to seek help. And like, it's such a, it can be such a disheartening process when you're like, ah, like I, f- I've heard rumors that maybe if I find the right provider, the clouds can part, but it mm-hmm. can feel really just like pointless. I think to a certain degree yeah. when you keep kind of getting door slammed in your face or you're like, I made a little bit of progress and maybe they help, they're helping me a little bit. They get me a little bit more, but it's still not like, I don't know. You haven't cinched it quite yet. And it's such a frustrating process, but I mean, hats off to you to like, just, it's even just sounds exhausting to have to go through so many (laughs) providers and to tell your story again and again. And like, yeah, fucking rip your soul out every time. Like here, like, what can you do about this? And they're like, yeah, it really was like I think the worst part was like telling my story over and over again. Like, I got so tired of it. I was like, "Yeah, your cliff notes, read them, and just like research my story." Because I don't want to say it over and over again. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, like my story, like I my story is like like my, with my symptoms and everything, like what they like caused me, what I've been through is really hard to sell sometimes. Like I think well back then it was really hard because I was like still trying to understand it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like super like fine. I wrote a book about it and I'm like publishing it oh. soon. Okay. But, All right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, like I'm just gonna say, that, like my when I first started my mental health journey of like finding treatment, finding support, finding everything, it was really hard and like, and it was super disheartening. But I think what pushed me was like, I really just needed it. Like, I there was no out for me. Yeah. Like, I yeah. I don't know. Like, this is might be a little too like triggering, but like like trigger warning. But I did like attempt suicide three times because of my symptoms and because of like the improper medication because of like the improper treatment and it was like it got to a point where I was like I really need to like find somebody who will help me look I wanted to live but it was yeah. so hard yeah but yeah I feel like that persistence is really key and I always tell people like, now who want to seek therapy who want to be counseling I'm like it's kind of like dating like those like high school sweethearts we really, say like, it all the time yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you do that date around find the right person and then marry that person like you're good <laughs> Yeah. I, I think like uh Kirpa, like what you said kind of echoed with me as someone who lives with like an autoimmune disorder and like chronic pain and stuff. Like like while you're going through all the testing and, and my journey was not as long as yours to get to that like name, but once you know the name, it's like okay, then like there's like a huge sense of relief that comes with like someone literally saying, You have this. And now let's talk about how we can tackle that looks this. Like, but yeah. in that time of like, ah, oh, you're having all these symptoms and we're running all these tests and like no one knows. And every doctor has like a different answer for you. Mm-hmm. And like that is like, like that yeah. makes, I think, things even worse at mm-hmm. times, especially yeah. when people are like, and like, you're going to the doctor because you have an issue. They're trained in this. They're supposed to have answers, right? Mm-hmm. I know that that's not always how it works in right. anything, right? But like, then you're like, what am I paying you all this money for? You went to totally. medical school, man. Like, figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But like that, I, I, you know, I can totally empathize with, you know, here, getting it like figured out properly and then a course of action to take. And then how positive that can be when you get to that right place. Yeah. I think there was, oh, there was one thing I wanted to say earlier in my first like journey with a therapist was one, the therapist that was like kind of culturally like incompetent, I guess. 
um, he literally told me straight up. He was like, you're a puzzle I can't solve. And I was like, you fucking asshole. I don't know how to take that. Like, okay. And like, I actually would really like to file a complaint against this person. Like, yeah. Send us the details. Yeah. Put some anonymous reviews online. (laughs) I know. Like, like Yelp or doctors, like this is terrible. Um, Or their actual grievance board, because that's hitting them where it hurts. Like, that's unethical practice. I mean, that's. Yeah. If I knew about that when I was 15, I would have done that for sure. But yeah, I do. I was kind of like lost and just so like unsure what was happening that I was like taking everything that was coming at me. Um, but yeah, that was just like a wild story. Did, Did you? you... Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'm just interested to know, like how, did your family, yeah, like how how was your interact with your family? Exactly what I was going to ask, actually, and like through this whole process, and especially like, did you ever tell them about that therapist? The fucking blaming it on your culture, like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. I, yeah. So okay, so okay, so like I said, I started having symptoms when I was twelve. Um, right. But okay, I'm gonna preface it by saying my parents are not bad people; they're just workaholics. <laughs> they were workaholics. Um, so I would, so I was 12, right? I was, I was in middle school, like seventh grade. Um, my, my day was like morning and then I was like at school and then I was like on the doing sports and I was doing like, um, other stuff. And when I came home, I would like eat dinner, like somewhat like eat a little bit of dinner. And then I would just lock myself in my room for hours, lost in my world, lost my symptoms. And my parents, I think they were just like, they had two girls prior to me. So they were like, Oh, she's like, doing like she's has like AC teen like preteen like world like she's she's her alone time so they didn't really like see see it really happening and I think when you're like like my parents are immigrants dad came when he was like in his 30s mom was came when she was nine years old and she actually majored in psychology but I think they like no parent like suspects their child has a like severe illness right they're just like they're I think you want to just like as they see the best in like what's going on like, you mm-hmm. want to like assume the best because like no one wants to have their kid right so I don't blame them for not seeing it because I don't think I was very obvious sometimes yeah like yeah. at dinner at dinner I would kind of like zone out I would like talk to myself and my mom was like what are you talking about and I'm like nothing 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 mm-hmm. like it was I, I read it off she was like let it happen um but it wasn't until I was 15 and a half when my mom she literally asked me I, it was just a small thing that happened she was literally like, do you want to go? Or we're going to your uncle's house, your mom and his house. And I was like, I don't want to go. And she's like, well, why not? And I was like, I just don't want to go. And she kept pushing it. So the first time ever, she pushed it. And I literally just like broke down. And I was like, you're not my family. You're mm-hmm. not real. You're not a real, my real mom. I don't mm-hmm. believe in you. That was, that, 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 that was my delusional system. And she was like, what is going on? Yeah. And I, started, I, I broke down crying. And I was like, I don't know what's happening, but like, I don't think you're real like I, the nothing is making sense to me for a long time and she was like you need you need to see somebody and so I think because she had that background in psychology mm. she was like able to take me to see a psychiatrist and psychologist so at the time my dad was I think either in India or somewhere traveling for like business mm-hmm. I think um and she was like my mom was like when your dad gets back we need to talk to him first and like get like permission to go see a therapist and so my dad came back and my mom was like, you're on your own. Talk to him. I was like, oh my God, I'm so scared. Wait, so what? I remember, yeah. Rude. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know what happened, but I, I remember I had talked to him alone. Cause I think she was working or she was like, you know, like, I want you talking to yourself. 
I was a huge ice girl. I was a huge like princess ice princess. <laughs> so I thought it'd be fine, but it was not. So I told my dad straight up. I was like, Dad, like this is what's going on. This is what's going on. I need to see somebody. He was quiet, and he goes, "You were fine, just like last month." What? And I was like, I really wasn't. And he was like, no, you were fine. And I was like, I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, like, what the month of him to get him to, to get him to get, let me see a therapist, psychiatrist. But I did. And then, like, I came back and that whole thing happened. But then my, I remember one time, um, and I'm going to again. My dad is not bad. He's just, I think he didn't understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, we had a dinner one night and I was not medicated properly at the time. Like I said, I was like still either, I had not medicated at all or I was like still like on the low dose of medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my dad, it was a very quiet dinner. And all of a sudden my dad goes, explain it to me. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was just like, explain what's wrong with you. And I was like, I don't know how to explain it and he was and then like I there was like they were said and then like my dad got really mad and he was like I started crying he was like he was getting upset and then like I got triggered like really badly I was like post taking symptoms and it got really bad and I think for a year or a year and a half I didn't talk to my dad like I lived there I went to college then like like, a few months later and we didn't talk for a year so I was so traumatized by that yeah um and I think um so that was my dad so that was that that was that thing but then my my mom she was fine with therapy fine with psychiatrist fine with that but her big thing was medication her big thing was like you get addicted so try holistic like homeopathic remedies you know like Mm -hmm. good lord medicine like cashews i don't remember Shut why the that fuck was a big up. thing cashews <laughs> for psychosis that's like she a was, clear <laughs> proven proven evidence-based effective Ooh. medication so Jesus. literally a, there, a, an article came out i think around, around time i was 16 when she was like cashews help with depression and at the time mm. i was like given the diagnosis of depression so she was like cashews help with depression so she was leaving cashews every morning and almonds you know like the badoms and almonds every morning mm-hmm. the <laughs> makes your brain healthy everybody oh growing up in india eats badams before exams so you listen can. we yeah. still do it my mom sent it all <laughs> seriously badams are like the fucking cure <laughs> apparently yeah that's the case Jesus. no yeah so nuts are like he was all about the nuts craze so <laughs> yeah so it was the cashew thing and then it was like homeopathy and then it was like try holistic medication or holistic medicine right. And then it wasn't until that crisis, my my freshman between freshman and sophomore year of the summer, where I was like almost hospitalized, where they had like this like change of mindset where they're like, This yeah. is serious. Yeah. This is not a cashew like curing thing. This is like <laughs> cashews are not really cutting it in this situation. <laughs> oh my god. But wow. like it was it was crazy because like that that summer I like I took I took a whole fall quarter off. I was at, I was at a quarter mm. of school. Mm-hmm. I took fall quarter off. I stayed home. And for the first time, that was, that was like a properly medicated, properly diagnosed, properly everything. My mom was like, okay, I see it. Like, I see what is happening. And like, I get it. You, This is like, this is, this is real. It's severe. It's like, it's what it is. One day I was at my aunt, my uncle's house and I broke down crying. I was just like, I broke, I broke down. I ran to the bathroom. I cried in the bathroom, locked the door. My dad actually ran over to me and he was like, I heard him outside the door. I heard him say to my mom, like, 
is she taking her medicine? Is she okay? Aww. And like that to me was like, oh, he he sees me now. He sees me. Like he sees what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And like that was like the switch. We started talking mm-hmm. again. Things got better. And it's been um that was when I was eighteen. So this was like five years ago, five or five, five or four years, five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. So in these past five, six years, my parents have become like my support system in this. Oh, since mm-hmm. that day they've been like super crucial in me seeing the success but being as successful as I am mm-hmm. like and okay, I want to know that, that that culture the culture with that therapist thing is that even though he said that our culture is like what's making me worse I argue and I want to fight that and say my culture is what makes me strong hey mm-hmm. yes wow. yeah yes because yeah. like if my parents weren't so strict if they weren't so like pushy and like if they weren't so like like, if they didn't believe in me that much, I would not be where I am today. Aww. Like, yeah. if they didn't say, like, Kirpa, you are capable. Kirpa, you are strong. Kirpa, you are better than this. You I'm can overcome cry. this. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's true. Like, if they hadn't said that, I would not yeah. be where I am today. And, like, even though, like, they want me to be a doctor, they know, they're, I think they've changed their mindset, and they're, like, whatever you want to be, just be the best at it. And, like, yeah. that, that can be toxic sometimes, but I think for me, it's really helpful because they know what my best is. So mm-hmm. when I don't even know it, like they mm-hmm. support me when I can't for myself. Mm-hmm. Like they're like they're amazing. I love them. I, I'm happy wow. that they're like in my life. Oh, <laughs> shout out to your parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that. that's like a journey that I think like some of us are fortunate to go through. Not all of us get there, but we yeah. always like hope and like hearing these stories. Like I know, give me a lot of hope and like yeah. give a lot of people hope that like I think like it's like the the good and the bad in our culture, right? The the totally. bad is double edged sword. <laughs> eat the freaking cashews and badams. It's gonna cure you of you know whatever, literally whatever ailment. Yes. <laughs> like yes. they're everything, right? Like you know, um, I, I've heard it for literally everything. And then, yeah. and then there's, you know, and like, again, I'm not, you know, knocking like Ayurveda and things mm-hmm. like that. Right. However, sometimes you're past that point, well past that point, And you, you know, there's something wrong with like Western medication. Yeah. Right. Like, but I know, like, I've seen this in our community. I've seen it in my parents, like this fear of side effects, this fear of addiction, when like, at that time, like that is what you need before, yeah. you, you know, and maybe it's not long-term, maybe it's like sh- something you need short-term to like regulate yourself. And then you start looking at like holistic or whatever, right? Like there's no right or wrong answer, but it's what works for you. Um, but then there's the other side, what you were talking about, like once they realized yeah. what the, you know, depth of everything you were going through your struggles, then they become your number one champion and like, and and push you when you can't push yourself sometimes, which again, yeah. like you said, can be toxic, yeah. but can also be like a reminder that you are not to say better than this, but this is not the only thing that defines you, right? You are mm-hmm. capable. Yeah. You are capable despite all the stuff going mm-hmm. on. You can still live a full life and be amazing and pursue whatever you want to pursue. So yeah. yeah, it's a very interesting kind of thing. I think we've all you know, faced it to some extent and um, it can be hard, but then sometimes it turns around and it's great. Yeah. If anything, like you and your parents and your whole family are almost like role models for other yeah. South Asians within the totally. community and beyond, like this is how Agreed. you can, because like mental illness is scary for everyone involved, right? Like for you going through the for symptoms, support, for, for them, yeah. like this is your child, what's going on? We don't yeah. know. Like we're in a new country, like psychiatrists are supposed to be for like, the, the real like yeah you know 
off the wall folks, off the wall <laughs> folks, like not our child. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's just like so much unfamiliarity around this and to see like you and your family really like emerge from this whole yeah. journey as like champions for each other and for mental illness. Like that mm-hmm. is, that is a huge, huge like yeah. gift to, yeah. to the community. I think it sucks sometimes that like it does take like a really severe something happening. Totally. Like you said, you were almost hospitalized, right? Like because these things are often like invisible in that sense, like you're not like if you break your leg, right? Like you break your leg, it's visible, you're in pain, right? But like things that are, you know, literally happening in your head sometimes for, you know, whatever that is, depression, anxiety, severe mental illness, like the whole range is like, again, because it's almost like because people can't see it, they refuse mm. to believe it's real until mm-hmm. like something very severe happens where it's and like it tangible. becomes visible. Yeah, exactly. Becomes yeah. visible or like you are in danger mm-hmm. or something really bad happens to you. That's yeah. when things like the veil lifts. The like rock bottom point. Which, which really which like is, sucks. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like sometimes it's like that's what is required for people yeah. to... To, to then come to your side and say, I support you because I see what you're going through, which, yeah. <laughs> totally. Gibra, if I can ask you um, one question. Um, so like when you, or, or um, you know, th- throughout this whole journey that you have had, um, what do you think that maybe we could do? Like, what do you think that as a community, whether it's the Brown community or yeah. just like, you know, just like, the mental health community too yeah right like what do you think you would like to see so that for example your journey could have been easier Mm -hmm. um or like easier to navigate um were it to happen 10 years from now 20 years from now like what kind of changes do you would you like to see yeah um the first thing that comes to mind is when i was first experiencing them symptoms i told my friends I was 12. I told my friends and I think they meant well by keeping it a secret, but mm-hmm. I think I would have been better off if they had told somebody like Skip was being weird mm-hmm. and this is not okay. Like she's saying some weird stuff. I don't understand what's going on. And, like, cause I was saying stuff about like really wild things. And I just remember like my friends were like listening to me, which was great. They were listening, understanding, they were caring. But I like, that, that was one thing I wish someone had told like a, a superintendent or like attendant like on, on staff like a teacher even like Kirpa needs help beyond that I think within like the brown community I think there really has to be this like oh, I guess like I guess like being separated between like adults and peers right mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. the adults I think need to challenge their perceptions of what mental health or like the, the stigma of mental health mm-hmm. Like I think when it comes to like our like my parents, like their generation, like mental health is still very much stigmatized to the point where like you need like the hospitalization to like take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like if we get educate our parents on this, like even if we don't, even if we ourselves don't have like a, a severe mental illness, quote unquote, um, I think it, educating them on like this is what I'm working on, this is what I'm advocating for, this is what I'm passionate about. Like, do you want to care more about with this? Mm. As a peer, I think. Um, I am so grateful for the friends I have who listen to me and who support me in that and who do say like nowadays they're like Gerpa like are you taking medication Gerpa are you sleeping well yeah. Gerpa are you this are you, are you stressed out are you like taking self care days to manage your stress because mm-hmm. stress and sleep like cycles exacerate symptoms so badly sometimes mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. for me so 
my sisters are always like, are you, are you taking medication? Are you taking medication? Are you openly talking to your psychiatrist and therapist like well and like being honest with them? Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends who are just like, they like kind of look out for me in a way where they kind of like, not like they know me, know me better than I know myself, but they like, I tell them straight up, I'm like, hey, if you notice that I'm like, kind of not sleeping well or if I'm like if I, if I slept like a few days if I'm very very t- if I'm very active very fast talk, talking fast and normal if I'm like doing like these symptoms right then like please tell me like you're stop call me out yeah call me out yeah call me yeah. And call me out um so there's I think it's like and it's like it's not to say that they're responsible for your health like there has to be some self-advocacy as well self-regulation mm-hmm. as well like I think we have to know like our own kind of like signs, which is really hard for me, especially because I don't know my signs of burnout whatsoever. I don't know the signs of like, of like, um, deregulation very well. So that's, I'm working on that as well. Um, but I think moving forward, the stigma has to be erased. Um, that has to be more openness with like mm-hmm. telling people or like, I think people have to be more open to being a support system for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really crucial because like my support system is both like the clinical team, mm-hmm. parents, sisters, friends, my boss even. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like work. Oh gosh. Work is so crucial. So like my boss has been super helpful in like the self-care aspect. Like she is super like amazing. I love her in a bit. I cried on her because she's leaving me. Oh, but oh. <laughs> I was just like, no, because she really like made me thrive in my job. Like I told her straight up, I was like, "Hey, I have a health condition." And you you need some of the with the like condition to say I have a health condition. Right. It makes me a little hard for me at times. Just be aware of that, and I'll try my best. And she was like, "I'm on it. Like you're good." And she like she like didn't watch me, but she was like there to support me as I like went through my highs and lows. Mm-hmm. So I think diversifying your support system to include all um facets of your life is like yeah. super crucial your whole network your whole community yeah. Like, yeah absolutely and you said like you know it, they're not necessarily responsible for you but I think it makes such a huge difference mm-hmm. when you have people looking out for you and they're in your corner right and like just like you said sometimes when you're in the middle of it you're not going to see that you're burnt out or yes. you're not sleeping so someone has yeah. to be like you texted me at 2 a.m what the hell were you doing yeah. <laughs> right? totally. like, and you're like oh yeah I need right. to right. figure that yeah. out yeah yeah. yeah 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 so I think that's that's very important for sure yeah I think going back to that space of like relying on what the cultural strengths are as well and really using that to your advantage in terms of like yeah let's we're none of us are we're not as a human species we're not really built to be alone like it is very much a community-based thing and the more that we can have these honest conversations and even if like you know you don't quote unquote know the answers but you have the sense of like but I know this person (laughs) and I want to be there for even if I don't know what to do necessarily I can still tell them I love them and I can still tell them that I'm there for them and I'm like mm-hmm. willing to walk alongside them in the journey even if you don't have the answers yourself and that's tremendous yeah absolutely mm. not you in particular but just talking about it more goes a long way towards erasing that stigma so for you to come on and be like I'm an open book ask me whatever here's my whole journey the you know Laying highs up. and lows yeah. and the ugly parts and everything in between this is how I struggled and how I overcame that is huge and yeah. we cannot thank you enough for just like reaching out to us yeah. and writing to us and coming on like 
it's huge. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, really huge. And I'm sure, it, you know, it's not a hard, it's not an easy thing to do. No. So we really appreciate you for that. And um, I'm sure the people listening um, will also take away a lot from this, from this conversation. And it's I like have- one of the most, for yeah. sure. I think all four of us. All of sure us. Have. Yeah. Oh, yay. This is like one of the most raw like conversations we've had. Gear, yeah. um, uh, as we wrap, is there anything I'm you sure. want to share or plug or tell us about your book or like where can people find mm-hmm. you? Yeah. So, um, uh, so I'm on, I want like, I'm on all, not all, I'm on like Instagram, Clubhouse, I'm on Facebook. Um, <laughs> I host actually a Clubhouse mental health talk chat oh, nice. on Mondays. Oh, cool. Okay. We'll post the link to that. Wanna, yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you want to meet me on there, um, my book is set to be released in April. It's Ooh. called Reality Check. I know. Oh, nice. I'm super excited. So exciting. Um, Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, actually, so the book actually details my, it's, it's fiction, but I plug a lot of my true experiences into the book. Uh-huh. So you want to read more about that, for sure, check the book out. Um, Amazing. I can plug in my, have my username on somehow. I'll email you the username if you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I just, yeah, I feel, I, I'm open to talking to anybody, really, like, even, like, just, like, to connect over, like, sharing my, sharing my story, or, like, just being friends, like, I need friends. <laughs> <laughs> that network, that Don't support, that community, that support, right? Yeah, I'm that so we're talking much, about. I'm, like, growing, and, like, being your support, like, being your, being your network, like, mm-hmm. you just need someone to talk to, and, like, just, like, like, I, I really want to, like, encourage people in the Brown community, Southern community, to, like, um, I guess like embrace like what is happening and like mm-hmm. really like it's not your identity like your identity is not your diagnosis mm-hmm. or your symptoms or whatever mm-hmm. but I think maybe for me to help is that it's a part of who I am mm-hmm. and I've embraced that and I'm kind of like yes I have these symptoms I have these conditions but it does not define me it is not yeah. who I am but it, it is something I need to be like aware of mm-hmm. so I am open to like helping somebody like see that and also just like if you're really a friend to like talk to you about what's going on yeah. I'm here if you just like want to have like a cool brown girl friend, I'm yeah. that too. And it's mutual. It's like we support yeah. each other. We we build yeah. each other up as a community. It's not a one sided no, transaction. Yeah. I love like encourage others. I'm like I'm like a hype woman. I'm like slay. Like yes, you go. Like like oh my gosh, wait. I saw this um this meme the other day about like gender neutral ways of like hyping people up. Like that's like slay queen. And I was just like, there's one where I'm like, pop off my lead. That'll <laughs> <laughs> like, be me. I'll be your like hype woman. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So hopefully but anyone yeah. listening, if you need a hype woman, we'll drop your pussy. <laughs> there you go. In the show notes. <laughs> Reach out. You could make that a side hustle. Truly. Hype oh, woman for hire. Consultant. <laughs> Mutual support, <laughs> connections, and network. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Um, thank you so, so much, Kirpa, for coming on and chatting with us and sharing your story and just being a, an amazing person in general. Mm-hmm. We would love to hype you up. Yes. <laughs> Fucking my liege, <laughs> mental health monarch. <laughs> Love I it. love having <laughs> mental health monarch as my new hashtag. Like, when you like, awesome. next time. I love it. We are <laughs> so, so thankful. And to anyone listening, if something uh, on this episode resonated with you or any other episode, or if you feel like something um, applies to you, to your life that we haven't touched on and you would like to have amplified or spotlighted, 
reach out to us. We are at South Asian SMH on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email us info at sasma.org. That's S-A-S-M-H-A. Um, you can also go to our website, sasma.org, and uh, fill out the contact form on there. And we will be back with another episode of Brown Taboo Project, tackling yet another Brown Taboo. One, one by one. One by one till we've tackled them all. <laughs> They're no longer taboos. <laughs> That's the end goal. Awesome. The time, we will talk to you all later. Thank you so Bye. much, Gerpa. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having Bye. me. Thank you so much.